Wow, here we are on the banks of the French Riviera. Adam, we've made it. It is a beautiful day out here in the French Riviera. Definitely the place where Cannes Film Festival takes place, I'm pretty sure. I hear some of these famous uh, French cats that are walking around <laughs> yeah. on the French Riviera. <laughs> That's a really nice tuxedo you have on, all white. Very interesting. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And you donned uh, sort of vampire clothes. That's cool. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually thought it would that this would be something else. Uh, I didn't really realize what the uh, dress code was at the camp. Wait, Adam, behind you, look, there's a boat coming in. The celebrities are on their way. Oh my gosh, and they look so beautiful. Who is that in the front boat, Trevor? Adam, I believe that is one of the directors showing a film here at Cannes this year. That's Justin Lin from Fast 9. Whoa. He's not going that fast, but wait a minute. Who is that behind him? Is it Vin Diesel from Fast 9? Oh my goodness. Wow. All of these stars from the films playing at Cannes. And there's a third boat, but it's much further away. Is that Jordana Brewster from Fast 9? Wow. When You know what they say about the French Riviera. When you're here, you're family. Welcome to Palm d'Orcs. Welcome to episode 28 of Palm d'Orcs, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of the Cannes Film Festival, <laughs> hosted by two fancy city cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the very regal, the very fancy, the excellent Adam Cervantes Wagner. Mm, very kind of you, Trevor, and you're looking quite nice yourself. Yes, I actually um, am in a vampire costume because I thought that this was going to be some sort of thing where it was going to be themed this year, and I think I may have gotten my invites mixed up in the mail. This actually, I think, was for the Halloween party coming later this year. Let's not talk about it, though. Adam, we have finally made it to the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, serious question, actually. Have you ever been to France? I have not. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually never been to Europe. I'm, I'm sure I'll be ticking some of these... Uh, I was going to say some of these states off my checklist <laughs> Some of these countries off my checklist soon. Um, this of is, course, of course, Palm d'Orcs, a failed podcast pilot that Adam and I thought of many, 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 many months before the pandemic. We wanted to get into it. The idea was that we would go through, we would talk about all of the Palm d'Or winners at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, once we started Ghost Party Radio, we realized that maybe the Palm d'Orcs uh, gimmick would be good for... I don't know, maybe maybe twice a year we could bust it out. So I'm extremely excited to bust it out. What we're going to be doing today is talking about our most anticipated movies of the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, I know the lineup uh, dropped very, very recently. Adam and I have been putting in hours and hours of research. Um, Adam, what is your history with the Cannes Film Festival? Why are you so fascinated with it? Oh boy, do I love a Cannes Film Festival. Um, well, I think it's it's probably among the... It is definitely among the biggest, if not the biggest, film festival in the world, which is very exciting, with the Palme d'Or being considered by some as the like number one prize to get for a movie. Um, I've been a longtime fan. I used to take a uh, French film class in college, and we actually watched uh, live from the red carpet the uh, people coming into the Cannes Film Festival, and since then I was like hooked. I loved the feel of it. It was like a... 
it's bigger than the Oscars because it's more days and it's just new movies. Everyone's having fun. Hopefully one day we can get out there, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of things about Cannes. Um, I, I, I was a, a f- f- infamous, a famous episode of Aya versus the Big Boys where um, they had a guest on who was chronicling their trip to Cannes and was very conflicted. Like, they, they definitely were happy they went, it seemed, but uh, had a pretty bad time and was basically saying that Cannes has really turned itself over to the uh, – and basically that it's it's really like like we were kind of joking in – the opening is like, you know, Fast 9 is playing this year. I know it's not playing in competition, but uh, it seems to be going more towards the conglomerates and just basically becoming more, quote-unquote, impure as the years go on. Just like anything that's good eventually will become. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe we're past the heyday of the Cannes Film Festival, but um, I know this. When I saw the, the lineup dropped... Uh, the 2021 lineup dropped. I was really, really excited. There's some great movies that we're about to talk about. And Mm -hmm. I think it might be a direct result of there not being a 2020 Cannes Film Festival that uh, there's at least three or four of these films that were supposed to debut last year that are just now debuting this year on top of all these other new movies. So to me, it seems like Cannes 2021 is kind of like Cannes on steroids. Like it's just a lot of awesome international stuff. And you mentioned that, some people take the the Palme d'Or like and can more seriously than the Oscars, and I think it can really be summed up by Bong last year, or just my goodness, two years ago now at this point, um, kind of sweet talking all the people at the Academy when they have those Academy lunches, and he apparently kept calling the Oscars uh, a local competition, um, which it is. It, yeah. it, it compared to Cannes Fil- Film Festival, it is local to him. For him to be like, oh, I'm glad that you people here in Hollywood liked my movie. It won the Palme d'Or. That means that internationally people really liked my movie, which is it's really funny to dunk on the Oscars and then win Best Picture. Right. And I mean, the other big ones, you know, like TIFF or uh, Venice Film Festival. I don't know if they have the weight, I guess, of Cannes. Cannes feels like everyone's there. Everyone's um, and only the best of the best from around the world have made it, which is why Fast 9 is playing, of course. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I think that, yeah, like like I was mentioning earlier, Fast Night is playing simply to get more advertisers there, I would guess, for them to generate more money. I'm sure not having a festival last year hurt them, but I would say that, and I haven't pitched this idea to you, but I'll do it live on air. Um, I want to break out the um, Palm d'Orcs episodes for three festivals a year. I want to do Cannes, Most Anticipated. I want to do TIFF most anticipated because a lot of times these huge movies, you only see one or two laurels on them when they have a a trailer. You know, it'll say like Cannes Film Festival. That'll be the world premiere. Mm -hmm. Then the North American premiere will be TIFF. And then the American premiere will be something like New York Film Festival or AFI or even Sundance or something, you know, if if the timing lines up perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to do... Can I want to do TIFF, and I want to do Sundance. I think those are the three that are the most fun to speculate on. Like, oh, this movie's debuting at TIFF, or this movie's debuting at Sundance. So we'll at least be pulling out the Palm d'Orcs um, anticipation episodes uh, three times a year. Uh, yeah, just because those are the most, like, speculative uh, – oh, boy, that's a word, huh? Speculative <laughs> festivals um, that you can really be like, oh, boy, I'm excited for this movie to play at Sundance. And they also have this really cool – I don't know uh, how – normal it would be for berlin or venice i haven't looked into those festivals uh all that recently but i like that can tiff and sundance all also have like a midnight section uh where movies will play like the more genre focused movies that you know we go over on our show i like that those play late at night at those festivals and i love south by southwest i love fantastic fest 
those are fun, but those are a little bit too down our alley. You know what I mean? Uh, for Ghost Party Radio, like those are strictly genre movies, and a lot of times the movies that play those are like Jordan Peele's Us or mm-hmm. even like um, Baby Driver or something like that. Something that we know we're gonna catch up with eventually anyway. Some of these movies we're gonna talk about today at Cannes, even the ones that maybe we're gonna talk about being anticipated, some of them won't even get a wide release. Like, the, like, like we're gonna have to in our best of 2021 episode stretch to watch some of these you know so um i think mm-hmm. that's what makes it more exciting than a south by southwest or a fantastic fest absolutely and i'm sure we'll, we'll probably get a good amount of these uh, under our belt but um there are some a good amount of american films in the competition this year which is very exciting uh we can root for the home team right uh wait are there films that aren't american <laughs> uh-oh trevor no yeah my, my list of anticipated movies is fairly heavy on the american films just because i know a little bit more about them in terms of identifying a director uh i had to do a lot of research to you know kind of find out who so-and-so director was that directed this movie that's in competition at Cannes, um which is great you know what i mean like that's something that like someone who professes to be a film fan like myself and i know you pretend to be one as well we Mm. need to know like the names of these directors you know like that are doing the Fortnite and stuff like that we can't always talk about the movies that got pre-bought by A24 before they even got to Ken. Did someone say Fortnite? Yeah. Oh, oh he's doing the dance. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, you want to start with the competition, guys? Yes. So I actually did not... Um, I didn't really sort mine by un certain regard and competition, but do you want to explain what that means when something is in competition versus un certain regard? Uh, why don't I let you take it away? Yeah, because you don't know the answer, do you? <laughs> um, I actually don't quite either. Uh, that and that's why I didn't. Um, uh, so when we, you know, the 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 final thing we'll talk about in this episode is what's going to win the Palme d'Or. Obviously, you can only win the Palme d'Or if you're in competition. So I'm sure you're not going to say the name of a movie that's not in competition to win the Palme d'Or. But um, there are certain well, movies. What? Actually, there's a, that caveat where if it's in another category, but it's a, a director's first film, then it is in competition. Interesting, interesting. Uh, and we, we forgot to mention that um, the whole thing about Cannes is that every year there's like this weird uh, jury that they put together of people. Mm-hmm. And that jury specifically, unless I'm wrong, makes all the decisions about what who wins and what wins. Right. Um, so this year for the second time ever, of course, uh, Spike Lee, uh, is the president of the jury. Uh, I don't, I didn't look into it, but do you know of any other two timer, uh, presidents? No, I don't. Yeah. I think that that's a, a, either extremely rare or that Spike might be one of the first people to ever do that. So this is the second time that he'll be the jury president. Oh, awesome. He's a, yeah. I do like me some Spike. Yeah. Spike, he, uh, he definitely, is uh, a character for sure. I, I love him. I love him as a person, uh, I, and I love a lot of his movies, obviously. But he's like a David Lynch. Where I like, I love the David Lynch movies, but I'd rather just watch David Lynch talk or Spike Lee talk, really. Than uh, I, I get more excited to hear what they have to say as people at this point. Um, Wait, do you know what year he was president before? I don't. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I would. I would guess like 1999 or something. Because uh, that's going to weigh into who probably gets the big palm, right? Oh, yeah. You, you should have looked into what the what won that, that, that year. Yeah. I'll, I'll check that out right now. You keep going. Okay. So, basically, um, we're going to just go over, you know, 
I didn't sort them, Adam, by what was in uncertain regard and, and what was in competition. Of course, I will. I already have my pick for what I think is going to win the Palm this year, and it is a film that's in competition. But um, I'll go first. Um, we've gone over who's the, the the president of the jury, of course. Um, so we have nothing really else to. <laughs> it's so funny how shallow. Like we're supposed to be like the experts of the Cannes Film Festival, and we're like, okay, so we went over who the president is, and now we're going to get into what movies are playing. Um, we'll start here with a softball. We haven't really discussed this director much. Um, this was supposed to play at last year's, uh, 2020 festival. Of course, we have Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Adam, mm -hmm. we've never had a conversation about Wes Anderson. Um, what are your thoughts on him as a filmmaker? Look, I know, uh, it's, it, it is controversial because you either love him or hate him, right? Even in the, like, uh, film nerd community, um, I love him. I think he's great. I love his sense of humor, and I'm very excited for the French Dispatch. That's interesting that you say people either love him or hate him because I know a lot of people who either love him or they're like, "Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's fine." Like you can't, you can't argue he's not an auteur, right? Like he's definitely right. carved his way in at this point. He's been making movies for almost 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's crazy to think that Wes Anderson is like in his 50s now, and yeah, you know, he made Bottle Rocket when he was like 28. He was so young when he made that. So mm -hmm. he's been making movies, doing his things for a very, very long time. Um, I've seen the trailer for the French Dispatch. Uh, it does not have me excited in any way, but I do this every time when a new Wes Anderson movie comes out. Mm -hmm. Every single time, I, I go with, I go with like, do I even like his movies? And then I think like, I mean, I'll, I'll just throw out a number. He's probably made what nine movies, and I've liked or heavily liked like six of them. So mm -hmm. there's no real reason for me to not be looking forward to the French Dispatch, other than like one of these movies he's gonna have to just kind of get up his own ass too much and i'm gonna be like i'm out i'm I, but you know what like i am out on this so my my prediction is that the french dispatch will be that movie uh it will be i love the grand budapest hotel yeah what is your favorite uh my favorite Wes anderson is probably yeah grand budapest hotel for sure yeah i think i might be in the same boat there which uh, has massive shades of what this movie looks like, the French right. Dispatch, but mm -hmm. it looks like maybe he's gone back to that well. I mean, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm -hmm. um, Rushmore's Rushmore. great. Yeah, yeah, Rushmore's really great. I, I um, I, I mean, I just rewatched the Royal Tenenbaums, and I thought that was like maybe objectively his best movie. Like right. I was like, this is a, such a good movie. Um, I really enjoy Steve Zuzu. Um, the one that I found to be a little flat was Moonrise Kingdom, and uh, I wasn't a big Isle of Dogs fan. Yeah, uh, same here. I think uh, I think uh, um, the Royal Tenenbaums is just so good. Like, holy moly! Yeah, it's really him coming into being like, this is what a Wes Anderson movie is going to be. From going, you know, I mean, like Bottle Rocket has its own thing going on. Rushmore is really really fun uh, and has its own thing going on. But Royal Tenenbaums is where he really. I was I was talking about this with directors. Like, we'll take like Paul Thomas Anderson for for example. Paul Thomas Anderson, I mean, Hard Eight he made, and we won't talk about that. But um, we'll say we'll just pretend that Boogie Nights was his first movie. Boogie Nights is very Whoa. like what? Hard Eight know. rules. What are you talking ha about? Hard Eight is it. It is derivative in a way that doesn't prove my point, so I'm ignoring it. Okay, it's good though. <laughs> it's really good. no. Hard Eight is very very good. It's it's and, and it is it is kind of its own thing, but it's him sort of aping other crime movies he's seen so boogie nights is like scorsese meets like basically kind of tarantino really if, if i'm being honest then um magnolia is it's altman that's an altman movie basically but it isn't until his quote-unquote third movie we'll say 
Punch Drunk Love where you start to get like a yes, there is still the definitely the huge Altman influence there, but Punch Drunk Love feels very much like this is just a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like this is what he does. And then after that you get like There Will Be Blood, The Master, like movies that I, I associate just being only Paul Thomas Anderson could have made these movies. Right. Um, Absolutely. So I don't I don't even know. Oh yeah, so the Royal Tenenbaums would be Wes Anderson's third film in that regard of him being like, I have found my style and now all my movies are going to be like this. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes. This, he made the choice to shoot this in, or to put it out in black and white at least. Right. Yeah. And again, black and white doesn't automatically uh, equal pretentious to me in any way. I love a nice black and white movie, but uh, I'm just waiting for the day where he makes something that just does not click with me in any way. And I'm afraid that might be the French dispatch. It'll be fun to listen to me. Uh, not that I'll ever go back and listen to this episode, but it'd be fun to listen to me uh, say these things and then love the French dispatch. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying I'm giving it a chance and of course I will see it, but I'm not, I don't feel too confident about that one. Okay. Well, how are you feeling about uh, Sean Baker's Red Rocket? I love Sean Baker. Um, Sean Baker and I uh, were actually talking on Instagram recently about him coming down to the Frida Cinema. He's been wanting to come back to the theater for a really, really oh. long time. I oh. think he's gonna. I think he's gonna find it delightful that in our opening video that we play, um, the the Florida Project is heavily uh, featured. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, for sure. We play Tangerine like twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, we threw the Fuller Project on a double feature with Spring Breakers a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I haven't seen his first movie, Starlet. Uh, I'll, I'll have to check that out. But I've definitely really liked uh, Tangerine of Florida Project. Anything he made before Starlet, I, I'm not super um, familiar with. But um, yeah, by proxy, I have to be excited for Red Rocket. What, what are you thinking about it? I am excited. I think the the premise sounds cool, and uh, yeah, I've I, I loved his last two films. I think it it'll be cool to see him with probably his biggest budget yet. I'm I'm assuming um, to see what he does with that. It'll be cool. Yeah, I mean, looking at the cast, um, it's definitely a, a cast of not unknowns. Like, definitely the star of the movie is someone that everybody would know. Uh, real quick, let me get the name. I think it's Simon Rex, who you've definitely seen in stuff like he literally i believe is like the star of scary movie 3 which i know you're a big fan of <laughs> yeah. um but he's not going to be someone who's going to be like distractingly how do i say too big for a sean baker movie like you know we had right. willem dafoe playing a smaller role in for project which he was great in but mm -hmm. i think um sean baker doesn't want the movie to get um bogged down with big names right so you have three mm -hmm. names here on the cast simon rex brie elrod and Susanna son um, of course, um, these are not like big names in any way. And I, 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 that's what I like about his movies is that when you watch a Sean Baker movie, you're just going to immediately buy in because the people feel authentic. Like, for example, of course, Tangerine. I mean, like that, that's a movie that just throws you into a world that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced before. And I'm mm -hmm. not distracted by the fact that the two people in Tangerine are played by like Riley Keough and somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. And it feels real because it's shot on an iPhone, right? Uh, yes, Tangerine, shot on an iPhone. <laughs> that was the big thing coming out of Sundance that everyone couldn't stop talking about. Right. You know, this is a good segue. Before we get to the, uh, I guess, what, last American film in, in the category here, um, we have a new movie that I am excited about called France by Bruno Dumont. You know about this one with Leah Sido? Uh, well, listen, 
Leah Sedusa, that is a can name. Yeah. I I love. Uh, oh, she Leah Sedu. She's. I mean, she's probably younger than I am at this. I mean, I was gonna say at this point, as if she's been <laughs> aging backwards. No, she's got to be younger than I am, and that she's got to win a lifetime achievement award here pretty soon. Like, I feel like she's in like every can movie. Yeah, I think I think she's collecting at four uh, this year. Um, that that's honestly nuts. Yeah, it is pretty insane. But I think. Um, so, so this movie, France, looks interesting. It's about, a, 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 I think, a talk show host who gets in a car accident and how that changes her life. Um, but Bruno Dumont, he's famous for uh, a few movies, I guess two movies, but one of them being like a series of, of like four movies um, called Le Coin Coin. You know about this? I do not. So Sean Baker is actually the one who turned me on to Le Coin Coin. Uh, he was tweeting about how much he loved it. And guess what, Trevor? This story includes you. I wanted to see the uh, extended um, Le Coin Coin and the Extra Humans. Uh, and I asked you, I said, Trevor, are you going to play uh, Le Coin Coin here? And you turned, you looked at me and you said, what the hell is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Maybe one day when Sean comes down, he can educate you. Yeah, absolutely. Like Sean Baker is one of those people who definitely seems to know his shit for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's a really funny uh, follow on Letterboxd because he'll either review a movie glowingly and like, or or say like how amazing the restoration is, or um, you know there there are some exceptions, but mostly if he doesn't like a movie, he'll just say like, watch the Academy screener, <laughs> or like watched on Blu-ray or something. You know what I mean? Like he 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 won't be rude about it, but it it, it is funny to be like, oh, he must have not liked this one. Well, you want to take it back to uh, the surprising Sean Penn film? Yeah, so I actually didn't even write that down because I am yeah. not. I'm not looking forward to what's it called, like Same. flag or something. Yeah, flag day. Flag day. Let me see. Yeah, I didn't yeah. write it down either because who gives <laughs> yeah. an f? Well, no, no. Yeah, see, exactly. We're we're not. We're only talking about movies that we're looking forward to. So I'm not in. I'm not extremely looking forward to Sean Penn's new movie. Yeah, it is flag day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about it. I'm sure it's gonna have some really great performances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Could you know, be good, I, you know. To be fair, yeah. I mean, like Sean Penn's gonna make a movie that's gonna get into can. Like that, that's great, you know. Like at this point, Sean Baker, when he makes a movie, it's not guaranteed to get in can. I mean, that's a much more interesting thing, you know. I think for um, us to discuss was a Sean Baker movie. Yeah, I'm not terribly interested in Sean Penn. I'll leave this in the episode, but uh, you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. He's um, really trying to because uh, he's always been in competition with Leo, right? And so he's like, well, if I direct something big, maybe uh, maybe I can get ahead of him. Right, exactly. Because the El Chapo stuff didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sean Penn is someone who seems to seems to be trying to do good things, so, uh, but also seems to be like a just a abusive asshole. Anyway, right. um, so, um, uh, before we move on to a few other movies, I want to talk about um something real quick. We'll just cut it in like we did with the the Spike Lee jury president thing. But we mentioned uh, Leah Sidhu should get an honorary palm soon. Uh, do you know who's getting the honorary palm this year? I do, and that was going to be my, uh, my my joke when we said who who do we think is going to get a palm and Dora. That say, was well. going to be my joke too. <laughs> as I said, I guarantee Jodie Foster wins a palm Dior this year. There we go. Very interesting, but cool choice. Yeah, it was really funny with the article I was reading about. It was like, yeah, she was there in 1976 with Taxi Driver. And then most recently in 2014 with her directed movie, The Money Monster. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> no. 
Yeah, it was a George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie, I think, about like um, a guy who was live on air, and then there was like a robbery that happens. It it looked it looked terrible. I would rather watch her movie with <laughs> Mel Gibson, The Beaver. Uh-huh. Oh than, God. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I literally would rather watch that movie than The Money Monster. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, she's trying. That's that's. I know she directed a few episodes of House of Cards, also. Oh, great! Yeah, she seems to get tangled <laughs> up with the best people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on. Okay. I, I, I'm just going to kind of go out of order here unless it's going to bother you. Um, well, first, let's talk about there's uh, actually. <clears throat> first, let's talk about there's three previous Palma d'Or winners in the stack here. So that might uh, weigh the odds a little bit. We have uh, Nanny Moretti, uh, who previously won in 2001 for the Suns Room. He's here with Trey Piani this mm-hmm. year. Then um, we have uh, the wonderful uh, Pichet Pong. We're Asthical, um, you know, who won not too long ago in 2010 or 2011, I think, for Uncle Boon Me, who can recall past lives. Uh, yes. He's here with Memoria, uh, with it stars Tilda Swinton, which is exciting. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, he's a famous Thai filmmaker. Um, and then we have Jacques Audiard. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to edit out my mispronunciations here. I, I appreciate you um, tackling these. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he won for uh, in 2015 for Deepon, uh, which is a movie uh, I was not a big fan of. Yeah, uh, but he's back with Les Olympiades. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I tackled the names Wes Anderson and <laughs> Sean Baker. So yeah, thank you for for tackling those. Um, Jody Foster. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's interesting to have three. Um, yeah, yeah, three winners there, and, and the. Um, competition category yeah i mean that's the thing about the palm d'or right is that like there's like the ones where you're like oh maybe the opening night film will just win the palm d'or you know <laughs> um but any of those could win you know uh that right. we, we've we've been talking many times in the past about how there's been uh, plenty of double winners i think like mike lee recently i think within the past like 15 years has won too um, i don't think so what I think only uh, Michael Haneke was the big double winner. Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I meant yeah, sorry, not Mike Lee, but Mike Michael Haneke. But Mike Lee did did win a Palm, I believe. At yeah, one he point. won for Secrets and Lies, which is a effing phenomenal. Movie. Curry, yeah, correct. My bad. Yeah, I mixed up uh, Haneke and and Mike Lee. Then uh, I'll be punished forever for that. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, do you want to do we want to move on to some other stuff that's in competition? Yeah, tell me some of the the ones that are on your list here. Uh, so I have two uh, pretty honest, uh, like you know, easy ones. I guess like you have Benedetta, the new film from uh, Paul from, how should I say, uh, controversial <laughs> filmmaker Paul Verhoeven. It's described right. as an erotic and mischievous, also political vision of the Middle Ages in a grandiose production. Erotic. Even the poster is erotic for this movie. I know. So here's the deal. In July at the theater I program at. I am doing a Paul Verhoeven month every Friday and Saturday night at 7.30 and 10 p.m. I'll be playing a Paul Verhoeven movie. So I believe it's going to be RoboCop, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, and Showgirls. Um, Not exactly art house fair, but movies that people uh, will enjoy watching in a theater. Mm -hmm. Um, So my big fear doing a Paul Verhoeven retrospective is that I'm doing it because Benedetta comes out and I'm kind of banking on the fact that Benedetta like stirs up some controversy to kind of get his name out there to kind of push our series. Right. But I don't want it to go too far 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want Paul Verhoeven to get canceled in the middle of my Paul Verhoeven month. Otherwise, then it's like, you know, it'd be like doing a Kevin Spacey month and then (laughs) and then being like, uh oh, (laughs) and being like, well, I guess I'm still going to play K-Pax. I already booked it. (laughs) Yeah, this is best movie, K-Pax. Do you think um, do you think there's going to be a cancellation coming out of some big controversy? Because we did have. Lars von Trier, who who didn't actually get canceled for his like weird joke, but do you think Paul's gonna get in that realm of saying something like this? Ooh, no. Well, well, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing, right? The movie's not gonna get him canceled because he like no. if Paul Verhoeven was gonna get canceled, he would. It's if people know what he's bringing to the table. Right. That you hit the nail on the head. It's what he's gonna say at the press conferences. Like if he mm-hmm. says some shit like. Oh, political correctness and blah blah blah. You'd be like, okay, Paul, yeah, that, that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Paul, Schra- Paul, another Paul, Paul Schrader gets away with saying shit literally all day on Facebook and still mm-hmm. doesn't get canceled. Some of these guys are uncancelable because they've been controversial forever. Mm-hmm. So we've just accepted that like older white men are not going to change. But there are certain things that he absolutely could say to where I go, cool. Our screenings of Starship Troopers and Showgirls are canceled now. You know, like, and and that's what I'm a little I'm a little nervous about. But as far as the movie goes, are you interested in Benedetta at all? Absolutely, yeah. I really liked. I enjoyed L, as controversial as that may be. Yes, um, that uh, 2017 uh, Paul Verhoeven's movie from 2017 that landed Isabel Huppert a Oscar nomination. Yeah, um, so we'll see. I think uh, it could be. I'm definitely going to see it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, whenever it comes out, I'm sure I'll get around to it. I don't know. I'm I'm really not all that interested in this one. But uh, let's move on to one that I am very interested in: uh, the opening night movie. We have. Uh, are you you're a, are you a big Leo Carax guy? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah, I think I, I you you really do seem like that. Yeah, I think when we used to have our uh, our um, movie club, you and I and the Thursday crew, uh, I did pick. Holy Motors, although you played Holy Motors over at the Frida. Yeah, I'm excited to play Holy Motors again. I, yeah. I, I honestly, let's, I'm going to write that down right now. Let's play it in July. Like, like uh, why not? You know what I mean? Like, why not throw I think um, someone just did a brand new 4K restoration of it anyway, which is weird because it's such oh. a new movie. You would think that it has a 4K restoration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that movie rules. I love his uh, his bit in Tokyo, which is kind of like yep. a prequel um, to, to Holy Motors. I highly recommend doing a double feature of Tokyo and... Holy Motors, if you can, get that to play. Yeah, Holy Motors is a really interesting anthology movie. But we should say the name of the, this movie. It's called Annette. And it stars yes. uh, that boy, Adam Driver, and yeah. Marion Cotillard. Marion Cotillard, who is no uh, stranger herself to saying some stuff in the media and kind of being <laughs> not canceled, but being like, oh, Marion Cotillard. Ew. Right, but balanced out by everyone loving Adam Driver, just the perfect movie boy. Absolutely. This trailer dropped uh, a while back, and I remember people were on Twitter going crazy saying like, cinema is like saved like cinema is coming back <laughs> and leah cracks and i was like kind of laughing at it and then i watched the trailer i was like oh i don't know if like these people are like joking because like the trailer is very cinematic like like he is just cinema to me you know what i mean like right. holy motors is just unfiltered filmmaking just like truly <laughs> yeah. like um and i remember we uh in uh in one of the semesters i took of college um we watched uh mave song mave song yeah um, that movie's great too, and 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 then I I kind of got into all of his other stuff, and you know like I don't know why, but his name gets lumped in. I don't. I, and listen, I'm just kind of making generalities here, but his name will be lumped in with like the Gaspar Noes and stuff like that. But I, I feel like he's just a lot more prestigious uh, than those guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited for Annette, and it it being the opening night movie. 
opening night movie seems a little obvious from the palm winner, but it, it's got to be high in contention. Right. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's a musical, which is super exciting, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Love a musical. Hear, yeah. Adam, we did hear Adam sing in uh, uh, Marriage Story, but let's get it. Let's get his pipes working in this one. He also sang in um, uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He, outer space. Yep. That was his beautiful voice. Um, yeah. Just kind of moving through these. Um, yeah. The next one that's in competition that I thought was kind of noteworthy is uh, uh, Nitrum, Nitrum from uh, Justin Kurzel. Have you done any research on this one? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So are you familiar with Justin Kurzel as a director? Yeah. It's, uh, he's, it, it's interesting because he's worked with... Um, uh, Old Fassbender. Yeah, Fassbender is the name. I don't know. It's too early, man. It's not coming to my head that quick. Yeah, it is now... 12.01 p.m. as we're recording this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, he did those two uh, back-to-back features with Fassbender, Macbeth, which was very cool, and yeah. Assassin's Creed, which I'm yeah. assuming he only did be- so he could make M- Macbeth. Well, that's the thing is that, like, those two movies, if I'm not mistaken, had, like, extremely similar crews. It was like mm. they went back-to-back, definitely. You're, you're, you're along the right lines there for sure, but... Um, I will say this: both movies look awesome. The cinematographer um, Adam Arkapa, like th- those movies, look very, very good. I saw Macbeth uh, at the Loft Cinema in Tucson, and you know, I'm no, I'm no uh, Shakespearean scholar, but uh, I enjoyed it simply for the way it looked. And it, yeah, both those movies came out in 2015. It was just crazy. He like, it, it definitely felt like a one for me, one for you situation. Right, and you loved uh, Assassin's Creed too. I know. I, uh, I actually, yeah, I mean, I didn't see that movie. <laughs> um, oh, I, I never played the video games, but um, this movie, uh, Nitrum, is uh, obviously going to be dropped this year. It's uh, events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre on Tasmania in an attempt to understand why and how the atrocity occurred. So uh, this is going to be crazy, crazy heavy. And um, are you familiar with C- Caleb Landry Jones, the actor? No. Um, you would know him if you saw him. He's in a ton of stuff. He's actually in the Florida Project. Um, he is like, if he was cast as the Joker tomorrow, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like that's that's like this guy. He is so surly on he. I mean, he must be playing the person who carries out the the massacre because that's just what I think of when I think of Cable Andrew Jones, like I'm like a murderer. So, um, that movie's probably going to be extremely extremely intense. Do you think Fassbender? Uh, wants this guy to win the Palma d'Or, or do you think he doesn't because he's not in this one? I don't know. I don't. I don't sit around uh, thinking of what Michael Fassbender wants. <laughs> the man. The, the man has everything. <laughs> um, all right. There's. I'm very excited for uh, a hero. Uh, yes. Asghar Farhadi's return to screen since I think he did that movie with them. Um, with uh, yeah. well, you know, finish it for me. Yeah, it's called Everybody Knows uh, yeah. with Javier Bardem and I believe Penelope Cruz. Yeah, the married couple themselves. Um, yeah, so we played The Salesman. Uh, so uh, yeah. A Separation would have come out before The Frida was open, but uh, The Salesman played at The Frida um, before, before. Yeah, it was before I was programming, but I was like, we should play The Salesman. I think that the, the community that would come up to see The Salesman has not been to The Frida, and it didn't do all that well. But I wanted to play Everybody Knows because it looked intriguing. It kind of looked a little kind of weirdly – it's not. It's not an Iranian film. I believe he made it somewhere else. Yeah. Um. But it. Uh. It, the fo- fo- focus features wouldn't let us play it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. I think now he's back to an Iranian film. Um. 
Yes, he's coming back home. The uh, a separation, I think, is is like in my mind a perfect movie. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping it is sort of a return to form here. I would love to see a great uh, movie from Asghar Farhadi, and even maybe see him win the Palme d'Or for it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's definitely gonna be up there, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's about time for Hardy's one one. Um, when you when you think of uh, Iranian cinema nowadays, uh, that's the number one name that comes to your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe Jafar Panahi would be the second one that would come to my mind. Uh, and Jafar Panahi did he is at at Cannes this year. He has a a pandemic themed short as part of that. Uh, did you see that anthology, the the year of the everlasting storm? Yeah, because that also has a. A Pichet Pong we're Sithop. That's cool. right. Yep. They're yeah. back. They're back. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I wrote again after their name. And, uh, and David then, uh, Lowry. David Lowry, yeah, who I'm, <laughs> I, I, I go back and forth on, but mostly I'm a big fan of. Right. That'll be, a, <clears throat> that's actually going to be pretty cool. That's a special screening category. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The, the, all these things are always kind of um, <laughs> in their own little categories. But my last one that I have written down before we get into the, the, the my number one most anticipated, which is in instant regard, but is uh, Mia Hansen loves Bergman Island. Did you look at this one? Yeah. Uh, was this one supposed to come out last year? Uh, I'm not sure. I just wrote down what it was about. It's uh, focused on a filmmaking couple played by Tim Roth and Vicky Kripes. Give me all the <laughs> yeah. Vicky Kripes you got, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Uh, who travel to the story to Faro Island to write their respective screenplays. Uh, and it marks um, the director's first English language premiere. And it's a competition debut. So it's it's in there. It's right in the competition. Yeah, I think that'll be exciting. You know, we do I, have a, 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 a... Go ahead. I, I mean, I love it. I mean, like, I love a movie on an island. I love Tim Roth and Vicky Kripp. Like, like, this sounds great. Like, I'm really I'm really looking forward to this one. I gotta say, it's it's a little late in the episode to be saying this, but... Boy, what a batch of fucking movies this year I can't. <laughs> like, like, like I, I can't wait. Like, I, I know I probably should end the episode saying this, but the jokes about, like, cinema being back, like, God damn it, like, it's back. Oh, yeah. Very excited. I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, we have, um, we have the Frida, obviously, but we also have that theater over at the University Town Center, you know, next to Irvine that'll probably play hopefully a lot of these. If it ever opens, yeah. And then we have the one over in West Park as well. The West Park one right. is more likely to play some of these smaller ones. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, if a hero doesn't get a big release in Orange County, uh, it'll play at Edwards West Park. Yeah, it'll right. play at that one over there. So, um, yeah, some of these movies actually um, – it's, it's, it's funny to me because the Edwards West Park is much more of an art house than the University Town Center one. The University Town Center one will sometimes play like Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> but the other one – the other one will not. It, it always plays. They play a lot of Bollywood over there. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's um, I have a little more respect for that one. But I do love UTC. No hate. Uh, speaking of premieres, we got uh, Andrea Arnold's new joint. You heard about this one? Cow? Cow. Second cow. Yeah. Um, let me read you the premise of this movie. It's, quote, a close-up portrait of the daily lives of two cows. I believe it's a documentary, is it not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Andrea Arnold. I was like, Andrea Arnold. Then I read that. I was like, okay. You know, I so, so obviously, I mean, this is pretty much a nothing premise, but I bet it's going to be pretty good. A- Andrea, uh, go ahead and keep that pandemic short to yourself. <laughs> Just kidding. Give me all you got. That's my new say- That's my new phrase. Give me all you got. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> okay, but also some other top picks that I had here. Uh, Drive My Car by Ryusei Hamaguchi. Um, I think this may be the only Japanese film in competition. Whoa. 
which is yeah which is interesting um i, I guess we're all waiting for uh cora Ida to come back which i'm assuming it will next year right um his movie looks pretty cool we got compartment number six by juho uh kuos manen this seems kind of uh like maybe before trilogy-esque mm-hmm. in the way that it goes you know going up to the arctic circle on a train and these two people meet each other and whatever uh, but maybe darker uh memoria obviously as we talked about seems cool i hope uh how, how do you feel about uh, uh, our boy, Apichat Pong? I didn't love Uncle Boomy when we watched it for the previous iteration of Palm d'Orcs. Uh, mm. I was really, really hoping to. I love the I love the poster for it. Yeah. But um, I love that he's on here twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the only film I've ever seen by him is Uncle Boomy, so I, I can't act like I've done the deep dive. Well, it's okay. The only film I've seen by him is uh, Tropical Malady. I was... I'm assuming, like Akumbumi, it gets very, very artsy and right. very hard to kind of digest. Um, this movie seems exactly like that memoria, although we have Tilda Swinton. It's about like this woman in a museum who starts hearing sounds, and right. then she starts to think about what is making those sounds. <laughs> so, you know, I'm assuming it's going to go down that route again. Um, right. But I'm sure it's going to be important in some way. Raw director Julia Duco Urenau. Um and that, we, the three have played Raw, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is very, this is very done my alley. Uh, I believe that the only thing that's been released for this movie is just that one picture. Have you seen the picture I'm talking about? Yeah, the girl in like the uh, metal head wrist. Yeah, thing. it kind of looks a little bit like Saw, right? So it just yeah. kind of looks like a really artsy version of Saw, just based on that one photo. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I believe Julia, uh, Ducona, Ducono, Ducono, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I did a, um, Women in Horror Month, uh, like probably one, of, that's like probably one of the top five series that I'm most, uh, proud of, uh, doing. I think we did The Babadook, we did Raw, we did The Love Witch, and we did A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we, we ran Raw, like you mentioned, as a first run when it came out. And, um, it did pretty well. Like, people came out and watched it, but, um, they they really advertised it as like please don't faint during this movie or like uh the, I believe Neon uh, put it out they were like here are some barf bags we're sending you barf bags and they really tried to like push it that way even though right. people who watched it were like it wasn't it wasn't that bad right. <laughs> it was just kind of a yeah it's kind of an interesting coming of age movie more than anything um I can't wait for this uh, I, yeah. I I love a sophomore movie you know what I mean like because it can just go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's called Titane. Um, I don't know if it'll keep that name as it goes, but yeah, it's a thriller, which is very exciting. I, I, I'm excited too. Do you want to hear how I would have uh, said the name? Go ahead. Titan. I guess time will tell who's right. Huh, Trevor? <laughs> I know. Yeah. All I need to do is have someone French say it in front of me, and I'll be like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, Adam was wrong." Uh, <laughs> Titan. <laughs> right. And and so those are uh, yeah. And then out of competition, we have uh, emergency declaration. Um, this is interesting because it's director Han J. Rim. He's kind of a, a a notable Korean director in Korea. I don't know about here too much, but this movie does have Song Kang Ho. It might be his first film since Parasite, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, probably. I mean, first film released for sure. Yeah, which is cool. Uh, hopefully that'll play over here. I'm sure now that Song Kang Ho has a, a lot more traction here, we might even see it. Nice. Uh, and then... Uh, yeah. Well, uh, do you want to talk about uh, most anticipated? In the uncertain regard. Oh yeah, I know. I know what your 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 most anticipated movie is. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Can I can I say it? 
And we'll say it on three. Okay. Ready? One. Yeah. Well, no, we'll go from three to one. Okay. Three, two, one. Fast After nine. Yang. Oh. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, what? Fast oh, nine is playing yeah. in certain regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast nine is literally playing in certain regard, which I think uh-huh. is so funny. Yeah, no, uh, After Yang uh, has got to be my most anticipated movie. It was supposed to play last year, mm-hmm. um, so it's just been sitting on the shelf for a year. But, um, I, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Kagonada uh, is just his first movie, uh, Columbus, was like my favorite quarantine watch. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe how, like, because, like, when it came out, everyone was like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, I'm, I don't know, like, why, like, a movie like, uh, have you seen the movie Phoenix? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so like it's a movie like Phoenix where people are like, it's incredible. You have to see it. And then mm-hmm. for some reason, I put it off. And then I watched Columbus eventually, and it's like, yeah, that was like one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. Um, I love Haley Lou Richardson. Mm-hmm. I think she's fantastic. Like literally, I think she's fantastic in everything she's in. Um, and it's uh, his it's it's a 24 has already nabbed it up. Uh, and uh, so yeah, let me read this little description. Uh, it takes place in a world where robots serve as live, live-in babysitters and follows a father and his daughter as they attempt to save their unresponsive robot. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Coming from him, you know, that's such so exciting. And uh, I believe the father here is played by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos' uh, favorite, Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah, which is so, very cool. I, it's I, got everything I want, man. Like a suburban-based futuristic movie starring Colin Farrell and Haley Lou Richardson directed by Kaganata. Distributed by A24, called After Yang. I mean, it's if this movie is not my number one movie at, when we do our 2021 list, I'll be shocked. Right. I, I hope it lives up to that, too, because it would be sweet. And, you know, my history with Columbus is all thanks to you. You know, you got me to watch the movie, and I also loved it. It, it like, created feelings in me that, that depressed me for a long time after uh, having watched that movie. Yeah, when I have a young, when I have, I work with a lot of um, like teenagers and stuff at the theater because they're volunteers. Mm-hmm. If they ever and they don't ask me for a recommendation, um, first of all, I'll say just watch movies here at the Frida because if I'm programming something, I'm almost sort of recommending it. Although that's definitely not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Columbus. I, like I would be like, the Columbus is my number one recommendation for like a young person to watch. Uh, some especially someone making the transition from high school to college uh, Absolutely. It, it, it really was great anyway so yeah that that's my number one are you excited for yeah after yang absolutely i am very excited uh thank you again to you because you made me watch columbus and because the way this sounds is so cool um this... i also di- i also directed the film columbus yeah you are uh trevanda <laughs> <Not us. laughs> That's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's always funny. People are like, yeah, I got to give this guy credit. He recommended this movie. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like, also, like, I didn't like write or direct the damn thing. <laughs> I, there's no way I would have seen this movie, though, if it wasn't for you. That's cool. That's that's really cool to hear. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, so I'm assuming you're going to get it to play at least. Why don't you get that to play in July? <laughs> yeah, I could grab it. Yeah, I could grab it early. Yeah, for sure. Let me yeah. let me call up A24. Not, not after Yang, uh, Columbus. Oh, 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 yeah. All right, writing that down as well. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I want to do the July programming based around, like, who has new shit opening at Cannes. I think that'd be really cool. Right. Um, so this this may be my, my top pick also tied with uh, another premiere happening in front of your face by Hong Sang-soo. Whoa, very nice. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I, I would have thought you it would have been something else. I, I had a different guess. Really? Was it Fast 9? 
<laughs> no, no, no. We'll get to what I thought it was. Okay. Um, but this guy, you know, he's a Korean auteur right now, wrong then, uh, on the beach at night alone. That has uh, our our favorite girl from uh, The Handmaiden, uh, but I don't know her name. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the one girl in The Handmaiden. Yeah, she was Korean who played a Japanese girl in The Handmaiden. Right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, th- that can be very exciting too. You know, we'll see if he, he if he does great again. Unfortunately, I don't think it's in competition because it's a premiere and it's not his first film. But uh, right. I- I'm excited to see it. These rules are weird. Yeah. They're just, they're just weird. I, I, it's so weird to me that some movies are in competition and some are not. It's like just fucking give the best movie <laughs> the palm like why yeah. are we it's all it's all this exclusivity stuff that like right. festivals are really big on so it's the same reason i mentioned earlier why some movies will come out and they only have those three laurels when it's like every film festival in the world wants to play after yang probably but it's like if another festival accepts after yang then like you know berlin doesn't want anything to do with it or whatever it's just like it's so it, i i understand exclusivity but it's like after Yang would play well at both festivals and get people to come see it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. And also the premiere category is new this year for Cannes Film Festival. Oh, okay. Well then, yeah. All right. That, all right. That makes sense then. Which is strange because I, I would like put money on the fact that Parasite premiered at Cannes last year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or in 2019, I mean. And yet world, it's still on. World premiere. Yeah. So, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so what did you think I, I was going to pick? Um, the I, the last movie I have written down here is uh, Australian auteur Andrew Dominique's new Marilyn Monroe biopic, Blonde. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know that you're a big uh, Anna de Armas head. Oh yeah, I mean, I no no way you are all about the Anna de Armas game. That's right. Shoot, I was getting you confused with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I love the assassination of Jesse James of the Coward Robert Ford. I have not revisited. Um, killing them softly with brad pitt but boy i hated that the first time i saw it but i bet i, bet I would like it now uh-huh. and then i think andrew dominique's last film was the um the concert film he made um one more time with feeling uh the nick cave um kind of biopic concert film he did oh. so yeah you um, played I'm, that right at the freedom yeah yeah we played it until people stopped showing up that was a big hit <laughs> um but yeah i just I, i'm really looking for anything that dominique puts out going forward i'm gonna watch so even something as uh, you know, a Marilyn Monroe biopic. I've seen <laughs> yeah. it before with that Michelle Williams movie that came yeah. out not not too long ago. But Anna de Armas plus Andrew Dominique. I've seen some pictures from the set. It it looks fun. I, I'll watch it. You know, yeah, I went I saw I went saw Cruella last night, Adam. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you. You 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 liked it? It seemed like. Okay, so like like here's the thing. If I'm gonna like if I'm gonna be like, yeah, hey, I'll watch a Marilyn Monroe biopic. I went to saw Krill. I didn't have any expectations for it at all, really. Um, uh, I loved it. Really? <laughs> I loved, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was so much fun. It was about fifteen minutes too long, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of uh, dud scenes. But it like Craig Gillespie, the guy who made I, I Tanya, he just he so badly wants to make Goodfellas. Like mm-hmm. like I Tanya is just Goodfellas with ice skating. This is very Goodfellasy. But but think um, the Devil Wears Prada meets like Ocean's Eleven. It's just like God, it's God, it's fun. It's so fun, and it's actually surprisingly dark for a Disney movie too. Interesting. So it's th- a yeah. What do you think are the odds of this making your top ten? Cruella. Yeah. I I kind of whispered uh, to the person I was seeing the movie with last night, like this movie is going to end up in my top ten of the year. <laughs> okay, I guess that means I have to see it. Thanks a lot. 
I mean, Emma Stone versus Emma Thompson, and Emma Thompson is so good in this movie. And Emma Stone just, I don't know why, but every time she comes out with something, I, I, I just like with Wes Anderson, but even worse in this, in this case, I ask myself, do I like her on screen? And then I watch the movie and I go, she is so good on screen. I, I can't even believe how like good of an actress she is. I'm so happy I get like 25, 30 more years of Emma Stone movies. Okay, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, this could either be a Birds of Prey situation, which I did end up liking, or a Hubie Halloween situation. Uh, did you watch Hubie? No. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in competition last year, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, at the at the non-existent 2020 Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> um, and then I guess one last one that I want to bring up is Women Do Cry. By director uh, Mina Mileva and uh, Vesela Kazarkova, and this mm. seems cool because it's about um, like this uh, family of women who like don't are brought up without gender, like it, they don't exist in a world with gender, and so could be a cool, very timely film. Uh, could hit hard. I don't think it'll win anything, but uh, it's cool. But it's in it's in uh, competition. I don't. Recall if it is. It might. It's in uncertain regard, um, but I don't know if that's their first film or not. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. But what do you think? What do you think is going to be the big boy? Are you asking me for my Palmer report? That's right. What I think is going to win the Palm Dior at the yeah. 2021 Cannes Film Festival? And it can't be. On... Uh... Oh, go ahead. Well, it can't be no, it can't be Fast Nine. That's not that. That's uh. By the way, guys, I don't like the Fast and Furious movies. I want to make that very clear. Um, I think that Fast Five is a lot of fun. I think that James Wan did a did a good job with the seventh one, especially with the Paul Walker uh, situation fiasco. But I I do not like these movies, and I saw the trailer for Fast Nine. I think it looks terrible. And I am the first person like I just told you I liked Cruella. I had a great time with Cruella. <laughs> like I am not a snob. These movies are just not for me in any way. Right. No, I was gonna say it can't be uh Justin Timberlake's Palmer. <laughs> the apple tv straight to movie justin timberlake not an emma stone situation where i know i don't like that guy on screen yeah <laughs> I, I don't like him all right um especially after that britney biopic uh mm-hmm. okay so, so i have I... put a lot of thought into this of course because this is um my thing i am one of the palm d'orcs i am an expert on what will win the Palme d'Or. Right. I've never actually guessed. This is my first time ever guessing what's going to win. Mm-hmm. But my heart told me early on that it would be Leo Carax's Annette. Interesting. Okay. However, uh-huh. however, I forgot Spike Lee was the head of the jury. <laughs> and he is not giving it <laughs> to uh, <laughs> like this like hoity-toity musical i know he doesn't have the final say i know it's a there's a whole jury but my official pick is going to be a film from an 82 year old director a dutch director known for his graphic violence and sexual content that's right i'm giving the palm dior or at least my prediction from the palm dior to paul verhoven's benedetta whoa controversial indeed yes i think that it's going to bring the controversy i think that they know this probably is paul's last movie he's never won uh he has been a presence over the years i think it's time i think he wins for benedetta wow i think you're absolutely wrong 
<laughs> I was just gonna say, <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible <laughs> guess. But if you win, that's awesome. Um, I think you know. Okay, can I? Um, a little, a little brag here. The last three Januarys at the theater. Uh, obviously, last year we weren't open, but I have done a Bong Joon Ho month, a Alfonso Cuarón month, and a Guillermo del Toro month. And these are the months of the Golden Globes leading up to the Oscars. And all three of those gentlemen won the Best Director Oscar. Uh, that year mm-hmm. so i know how to predict and i'm telling you 100 percent that jody foster is going to win a palm door this year <laughs> great um you know i think that's a good choice i'll also give it to you if you get annette um <clears throat> no, no, no 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 my, my no no uh, annette no benedetta okay all right benedetta um <laughs> i'm sticking to it i i i, I have to stick to it I don't think I don't think Spike's so against a, a hoity-toity musical. You know, if you look at like uh, Shy Rack, I think the movie was. You know, that's very uh, flavorful and yeah. He musical. and he loved he loved Green Book. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. All right, good choice. I I think I'm gonna go with a movie I haven't mentioned yet. Actually, whoa! It's called uh, La Fracture by director Catherine Corsini. Hmm. Tell me about this. Um, it is about two women on the verge of a breakup in a hospital are further stressed on the night of a big demonstration by the overwhelmed staff and by angry injured protesters who land up besieging the building. Whoa. That Okay. Come Walk on. us through this, Adam. Why do you think, what elements does this have that you think will lead to a Palme d'Or? Well, we have uh, the director, Catherine Corsini, who, who's mm-hmm. made some, you know, some notable works, Summertime, Three Worlds, that I think uh, people seem to like. Uh, you have the, I mean, look, listen to that uh, that bio. No, I heard it. I heard it. But walk the, walk the listeners through, break it down, what, what you think. Because yeah, I heard some timely stuff going on there. Yeah, but, but not only that. Okay, this is, look, Trevor, I'm going to be real with you. The picture on IMDb of this movie is these two women, and they're laying in like a, a hospital bed together. Mm-hmm. Um, their heads on opposing ends of the bed. And I'm just, I just looked at the picture and I just got the feeling that this is going to win yeah. a Palme d'Or. Yeah, this is this is like that next level expert stuff that people come to this podcast for. <laughs> just a, a pure feeling. And so I think that's what I'm going with. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I like your chances better than mine. Uh, <laughs> but um, your reasons are, are make more sense than mine. <laughs> well, my reasoning, I left out the idea that just like controversy sometimes will win a palm. Like, right. like, 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 especially in the 2000s, like, like Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit uh, 9-11, like winning mm-hmm. a Palme d'Or is like, that was the movie you thought represented the can film so can they love to get political and they love to like we were going through a lot of the uh pre what was it pre-1970 uh palm d'Or winners yeah and almost like so many of them were war movies <laughs> it was like yeah. it was like if you made a movie dealing with the repercussions of world war ii specifically you were going to win a palm d'Or basically right um which is so... actually it's interesting because i went through um the history of the oscars with a friend of mine we were watching a lot of them for at a time and we started with like you know wings and sunrise kind of, um, and a lot of those first f- few like big best picture winners were all responses to World War One. Oh well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because World War Two haven't had hadn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, but they're always like the the big movies are. I guess it's the feelings you know that happen after these wars that people still want to explore. 
Yeah, what you described to me was more zeitgeisty than Verhoeven's lesbian nun uh, movie, <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're gonna. They're. Uh, I'm sticking by my pick. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a good pick. I like it. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll revisit this uh, after the after the competition happens. If anything like big and controversial happens, especially. For sure, we can do an emergency bonus app. Yeah. <laughs> uh is that it for you i mean we, we've gone through an hour of talking about what we want to see at can I, I mean again i had that little breakdown mid-episode of just being like god these movies like i can't <laughs> wait to watch like i will i probably won't even watch half the movies that are playing at can this year but because it's so many movies right. but i'm gonna get to a lot of these and I, i'm really looking forward to a lot of them yeah same here uh like i said you know we're both looking forward to after yang um i'm looking forward to in front of your face and drive my car so we'll see i think uh i mean we're not even going to get the chance to watch most of these to be honest that's what i was saying i was what i was saying yeah, yeah. At the beginning of the episode basically like it's it's interesting to some of the ones that we talked about we probably won't even get a chance to watch them you know what i mean you'll, <laughs> right. you'll need to vod them towards the end of the year probably or something so right. um but you know that's my job as a programmer to try and reach out and get bergman island to play at the frida for a I week or so yeah <laughs> uh, well, certainly we'll get that uh, uh, t- uh, t- Titan, Titan. Uh, yeah. I'll definitely get that Because I think Neon picked that one up already Okay. Um, but yeah, anyways uh, th- Thank you all for listening to Episode 28 of Palm Diorks um, I, I really I, You know, I can't wait to talk about Maybe TIFF later this year And definitely Sundance early next year uh, I think that uh, breaking from our normal format sometimes is it's fun. But uh, next week we'll be back to Creature Features. So we'll be having uh, Craig Duffy on the show from This Cinematic Life to talk about my pick for the series. That would be Stephen King's The Mist. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't worry, everyone. Eventually we will do a proper Palmadorks episode exploring and ranking those pre-1970 films that we did watch. Absolutely. And when that happens, you'll know that we just couldn't find a guest for that week's episode. (laughs) There you go. All righty, everybody. Uh, Thank you for listening to this. I hope that you are as excited about the Cannes Film Festival as we are. I hope that you're looking forward to Fast 9 as much as we are. (laughs) And uh, Adam, we have officially... Uh, Uncanned 2021. Salutations. Avida Sane. Da 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 da